This is Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER nurse. I'm the host of People Are Wild, the only podcast that claims to bring medical entertainment, medutainment, on a weekly basis. I can be found on your favorite podcast listening app, iTunes, and Google Play, and you could talk to me on Twitter at People Are Wild. say three the, oh, dog, the said dog, three. dog said three the dog said three you don't even know <laughs> i don't speak you don't dog speak dog that's rude hey everybody this is daniel i'm daniel and i'm carla and we are hoosier homicide a true crime podcast by hoosiers for hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a hoosier is <laughs> you know I think what we- up how what are you the fuck is up tired Tired, you got stuck at work. Yeah, that's okay. I did too. You got stuck at work? I mean, yeah. Because we're getting like really hard. How late did you stay? Until like 5.45. So what time do you get off? Five. <laughs> I should stop the dryer. It would have been nice if you'd done that before we started. We're waiting. Hang what? on. You don't say anything. You just give a shitty look. Okay, well, they can't hear us giving shitty yeah, looks. Yeah, I know. You have to make they auditory know. responses. Well, when Danielle does it, it puts out such an impression. You, it actually, a sound wave will pick up. I do believe that. You'll hear, whoa, 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 What was that? Danielle's pissed that somewhere. Danielle's Her aura pissed. exploding towards yours. <laughs> I believe I that. I got aura all over my face. Ew. Ew. Speaking of, your dad told me last night at the uh, Pacer game, he goes, I offered him my water. I can't remember the exact story, and it's not really even worth telling. But he goes, looks at me, goes, I don't know where your mouth's been. Oh, it got boy. real awkward real fast. Ew. Ew. Sickos. Ew. What's wrong with you? Huh? Hmm? Oh, Carla's here. <laughs> Hi, Carla. Hey. But the game was fun, right? Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, the Pacers are the NBA team in Indiana. It's always fun going. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. They're dope. The rat climbed down good. from the ceiling. They are good. Uh, Boomer. Boomer, the sorry. Panther. He's not the a rat. rat. <laughs> the rat. <laughs> he is not a rat. Man. I mean, you could kind of mistake him for a rat. No, you could. <laughs> yes. I don't want to throw the toddler's stuffed animals that are sitting next to me at you. Because one has a piece of plastic on oh, it. Oh, yeah. Don't like throw them. in the face. But what would you throw them? The, well, the problem is... The elf on the shelf is hanging off. Oh, wait. What the fuck am I thinking? Huh. I'm like, if I hit it and it falls off. <laughs> it you loses the magic. <laughs> no, that's not what I was thinking. I, was like, It'll hit the TV. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Like like she would find well, out. Well, yeah, like she's here. Like she'll see it like, <laughs> oh my God. Quit hitting your hand. <laughs> she would be freaking out, man. You can't hear it. Whatever. I have science that proves you can't Science, see damn you. <laughs> change so we made a cake today and she made poop well okay on i let her squeeze out the icing from the piping bags and it was supposed to be circle or like a ball shaped 
and you could just squeeze it a little bit. And then we had green icing to make the little leaves. What do you call those? The red berries? Is that holly? Yeah. So that was going the on the top. Twig and two berries. Yeah, <laughs> that. So as soon as she realized if she squeezed the bag just a little bit harder, it would look like poop. <laughs> yeah. Come out because it was a circle tip to it. So she is small. Yeah, so I couldn't get her to not squeeze it as hard each time. So it looked like crap. I bet she loved that. Oh yeah, it looked like a lazy turtle turd. I would also think it. I was tell funny. you what, though, I showed it to one of her grandparents, and he said, uh, "I I go look at look at her uh, her cake decorating skills." I go the, and now, let me tell you what it is. I go, she made poop plops on it. <laughs> And completely glossed it over and was like, that's really good. Well, I was steering that boat <laughs> to put the icing in the right spot. But yeah. it's not too bad. I mean, because she goes, Mommy, can we make a cake for fun? And I was like, yes. I can say no to that. We can make a cake for fun. Because she knows it's no one's birthday. Yeah. And she's, what, sick? Sick. That's, you can't say no to that. I know. So anyone who eats that cake, um, a sick person made it. Yeah, I'm not eating it. I hate to, <laughs> I hate to say it. Carla, turn your fucking ringer off. It's not mine. It was you. No, it's not. I already said it. You can't. Okay. You can't go back. When the, la- I, the last time I had a ringer on my phone, I might have been in like f- freshman year of high school. What do you call it if it's not a ringer? It just vibrates. Because <laughs> Carla's responsible and makes sure she can always hear her phone. I answer more than mom does. That's oh. all that Well, matters. mom usually calls right back when she finds it. Yeah, okay. I've called her 30 times in a row before and then called dad and said, where the hell is mom? She's right We're here. here. You want to talk to her? Oh, she didn't have her phone. <laughs> it's a never-ending cycle. <laughs> you should always start with your dad. Uh, you're right. You are Because right. if your dad's, if your dad sees anyone's calling him, he'll, if it's one of us three, he'll mm. always answer. That's true. And he goes, Hello, dear. <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> I have a peppermint shrimp that's pregnant. It's so gross. Okay, but it's going to eat its babies. Yes. Probably. That and everything else living in there. I've got a small, like a 30-gallon aquarium that I keep a couple clownfish in and some some reef, some live rock man and some corals. <laughs> Pretty cool, yeah, man. But she's like translucent. But anyways, I got some. Yeah, I got two peppermint shrimp in there, so you can like see them in her. Yeah, they're translucent. And either you want to get cocktail sauce or throw up. One of the two. (laughs) Hey, they're tough little fuckers. If I ever have to put my hand down in there to clean, or if I Mm -hmm. put anything down in there, everything else scampers off and will go hide. Not the shrimp; they come out ready to fight. Come at me, bro. Yeah. Come I will fight you with my babies. But I think that's I think that's a or isn't that what they say at the zoo at the zoos? If they're fucking, they're, they're happy. Which know. actually isn't true because killer whales breed, and they're definitely not happy or breed in captivity. Hmm. Thanks for taking the notch down a, a <laughs> couple there. Yeah, so bringing the mood down. You need to go see Blackfish. <laughs> no, 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 I refuse, man. I refuse. I know it's bad. I know it's I bad too. It. Daniel likes to make himself suffer in different I ways. You know what? I got up on a Sunday morning because I wouldn't watch that shit with you. And it was—I don't know if it was like fucking nine or what it was—but I sat down and I wanted to watch it. You want to die a little inside. I just know it starts out with the killer whale killing a seal, and I was like, "No, I'm not doing this. I'm done. I'm not doing yeah, this." Yeah, it's it's you know it's one of those things that um, 
If you watch it, it definitely changes your outlook on the situation, man. No, they had in one of my classes. So, and for I'm glad we went to SeaWorld this last time. Before that. Before I saw it. It had just come out, I think, mm-hmm. when we went. And I'm like, propaganda, whatever. And then I decided after we went to watch it, I'm like, oh, fuck. They got good rights there, though, I think. Yeah, but the whole point of going, to me, going to SeaWorld is to see the orcas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never been, so. Seeing a school bus float in the water. Beautiful. <laughs> Majestic. <laughs> yes. When I was pretending to be a social worker at IEPY, <laughs> they had a day where the class was to watch where, like, hamburgers come from. <laughs> and I was for sure sick that day. Doesn't matter. Would well, they make you watch uh, Super Size Me? Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I am definitely ill that day. Guarantee it. And I was. <laughs> I can't be here. Nope, not not in for Super it. Supersize me. I think. Or there's another one that's called it's called something else, and it shows you where it comes from. Oh, fast food nation. Yeah, yeah that I didn't. I think know. I've seen them both. So <laughs> when I live when I live with my buddy Ryan, we got up one morning and there's a movie on that basically is talking about I feel like Ellen Page or something like that. Yeah. Maybe Emma Watson. Someone. One of them's in it, and basically they go through and they show how the, uh, it actually shows how uh, beef is processed. That's why I said I didn't want to watch it. And so, let me let me describe to you what no. I saw. Anyways, we're sitting there watching it, and I was just stunned. Yeah. Well, because I didn't know the fuck they were going to show it. Yeah, that's why yeah. I knew I didn't want to be there. Like, I don't need to look into the eyes of my meal before I eat it. (laughs) Okay? I don't don't either. No. No. It's just not not a a thing we have to do. We should be thankful. I'm never going back in time and having to kill my own food. No. No. And if I do, I'll be living off peppermint shrimp. Peppermint shrimp. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, does peppermint shrimp Uh, taste like peppermint? I mean, death connects. Is that... mm, Pep- no, I doubt they taste like. Yeah, I don't think you want to eat them. No. Okay, well, they don't taste like a peppermint but patty. Everything I don't in want there one. when those little boogers. If anyone leaves, I don't. I you know, I briefly looked up what to look for if they were pregnant because I was fairly certain from the one time I got a pregnant lobster at Joe's Crab Shack, and then I was <laughs> eating the shrimp without the tails, sh- without shelling them. No, yes. the shrimp. Yeah, I was like, these are really crunchy shrimp. Oh, <laughs> and you're God. like, uh, you. That was what? Was that our second? <laughs> oh, day? yeah. It was like, I could not be in any dumber okay, in this well, moment. Mom and dad did not feed us a lot of different kinds of food. No. It was like mashed potatoes and spaghetti. I was going to say, and chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had a well-balanced diet. We just didn't eat shrimp. Really boring. Really boring. So, yeah, I didn't know you had to shell shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> So I was crunching away. I'm like, great. Glad you signed up to be with me because here's where the intelligence level taps out. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah. And then I said, want to talk about murder? And you were like, no, I don't. But great. Great, We can be best friends. (laughs) Great. I'm going to go now. No. I don't know the first time I I'm going to talk about it first. (laughs) I'll tell you the worst thing I can think of and then it'll be your turn. And you're like, yeah, watch this movie where food comes from. <laughs> <laughs> that Now that's murder. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> All right. I have no connection and it's late. We got started late. It so. takes place in Indiana. It does. Oh, it doesn't. 
Oh, it does? It, well, no. Oh, so he knows about it? No. Yes, because I have her notes right here. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Go away. I have your research, at least one of your pages. I can tell you the guy's her, name. What's his name? Research. Kenneth Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kenneth Taylor. <laughs> well, well, we'll give a little background to Kenneth real quick. His name His name was Ken. Eth. Kenneth. Is it with two N's or one N? Two N's and two E's. Okay, because I had a friend. Kenneth with one N? Yes, I had a friend whose name was with one N, and we would have, and I would call him Kenneth. Kenneth. <laughs> I mean, it's cute. Like, where's Kenneth? Come on over, Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth had deserted his first wife, Emily, when she was nine months pregnant. Lovely. And he ended his second marriage to his wife, Marilyn, even though she was the one being beaten on and continuously cheated on while he abused drugs such as cocaine. Oh, my. He's in love with the cocoa. At one point, Marilyn had even been warned by a psychiatrist that Kenneth was a homicidal maniac. That is enough evidence for me. Homicidal maniac. He's a maniac, maniac. (laughs) By 1981, when Dr. Kenneth Taylor, did I mention he was a doctor? Where did he buy his degree from? I don't know. Let's guess. Psychiatry. Mm -mm. Is it a medical doctor? Yeah. He's a chiropractor. No, more than that, but less than like your general MD. He's a dermatologist. assistant? No. That wouldn't be a doctor. He's a tech. He's He's a a dentist. dentist. (laughs) I want to be a dentist. Less school than an MD, but different. It's I just, mean, it's just as nasty, that's for sure. Ugh. Kenneth was a dentist. He met Teresa. Hey, who's the fucking dentist from Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? What the oh, fuck? Little motherfucker's name. Her- Herbie? Herbie. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Rudolph Her- the Red Nosed Reindeer, is the it little Kirby? fucking claymation or stop motion film. There's a dentist in it? <laughs> the little the elf wants the to be a dentist. Wants to be oh, a fucking dentist. Instead okay. of building toys. Jesus. That's kind of cute. <laughs> Herbie doesn't like to make toys. 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 Do you mind telling me what you do want to do? Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. A uh, dentist? 
Kirby, I think. You man. still don't, you don't know what we're talking about? No. My God. My, like I mom, said, our parents did not expose us to much. Because you were too busy watching Hallmark, stu- uh, stupid fucking Hallmark movies. Yeah, and HGTV. The- you know what? Those are predictable and heartwarming, okay? <laughs> yeah. Now I know what an open it floor always, plan is. Okay. It always works out. Love always finds a way. Okay, let's not go that far. Okay. <laughs> By 1981, when Dr. Kenneth Taylor met Teresa Benigno, I'm sorry, Benigno, yeah, he was 31, while the young, pretty hygienist was 10 years younger. This sounds like a classic tale. <sighs> I mean, the age gaps are fine, but I mean, 21 and 31, your lives would be real different. I will. <laughs> <laughs> They got married on July 10th, 1983. But by most reports, Teresa had been pregnant once before they got married and he made her get an abortion. Nice. All of this information, by the way, came from True Crime Discussion blog. And I think she actually is from Indiana. So it did not come from a scholarly article? Well, she collects a lot of information, so I'd say it's scholarly. Okay. Anyways. peer-reviewed. Yeah, there you go. Okay, there you go. Oh, that's a smart peer review. I like that. The wedding seemed a bit odd to her family. Kenneth's parents had come in to New York, New Jersey area for the wedding, but seemed to be less than enthused. There were also rumors that Kenneth had been married twice before, but Teresa only knew about one. That's a big thing to lie about. Yeah. At any rate, Teresa seemed happy, and the couple went to Mexico. Ole. About a week later, Teresa's parents, Albert and Louise, Went to the airport to pick up the couple, but they did not show. Her name's Louise. L-O-U-I-S-E. Are you sure it's not Lewis? Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) Damn it. After several phone calls and tracking things down, they learned that Teresa was in the hospital and Kenneth was being held by Mexican authorities, which I would not want to be in prison in Mexico. No. I wouldn't want to be in prison here. No. Albert and his daughter, Celeste, would fly to Mexico to see what happened to Teresa, and and they discovered that she had been severely beaten. Her eyes were swollen shut, the one side of her face had been cut several times with shards of glass, and there were deep slashes in her neck, and all of her front teeth had been knocked out. <gasps> all? Mm. All of them? All of them. Well, it's okay. He's a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> By the time Albert and Celeste got to the hospital, authorities had released Kenneth. He would claim that intruders had broken into the hotel room while they were sleeping and had attacked Teresa. He would tell her family that authorities released him because they couldn't prove that he would had done it and that they were all crooked. So he bribed him. Started beating her. 
I think it's probably a blessing. The police said there were no robbers. The police don't know or care what happened. They just want to collect bribe money. Four days. I was locked in that rat hole. I didn't know she was alive. Will you be okay for just a minute? Yeah. I need to talk to Joe and Angela. I'm going to be right outside that door, okay? This whole thing, this whole thing is a cover-up. You think a thing like this helps the tourists trade? They don't want this to get out. Ken, the police... It's bribery. Cost me 500 bucks to get out of jail. I was lucky I had that much in the hotel safe because those goons sure took everything else we had. What are you talking about? We're asleep, okay? I hear glass shattering. I open my eyes. There's three, four guys by the bed with ski masks on. One of them clobbers me. Something heavy, a lamp, I don't know. When I come to, looks like a bomb has hit. My suitcase has been slashed, everything. I look around for Teresa and she's not, she's not there. She's lying on the floor, a pool of blood. And I can't find her pulse. I call the front desk. I call the cops. It wasn't until later that I realized that we had been robbed. They took everything. Angela's the God's truth. If it is, then I'm sorry. But if it's not... Angela, we're family. I swear to God. I'll make you pay for this. You understand? But later, Albert and Celeste would learn that the reason Kenneth was released was because Teresa had refused to press charges. She would tell her family that she remembered going to sleep, and the next thing she remembered, she was waking up in the hospital. So this is some classic domestic violence that she's not going to press charges, but she also may not remember to even say, I, like, she may know he did it, but she doesn't know he did it. He done did it. She refused to believe that Kenneth had done this to her and apparently believed his story of intruders. After about a week in Mexico, Teresa returned to New York, where she spent another two weeks in the hospital and then another month recuperating at her parents' house. So she was really fucked up. To Jesus. Spend, like, we're not talking a week. It's like three weeks and a month of recovery. Yeah, she got her shit fucked up. In the meantime, Kenneth bought the couple a home in Manalapan, New Jersey. I, I didn't think you were going to say New Jersey after that. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a New Jersey place. What is it? Manalapan. M-A-N-A-L-A-P-A-N. Hang on. Hang on. There's a way to solve this. Looks like Manalapan to me. Yeah. See, I got it. It's okay. Manalapan. And yes, he did fix her front teeth. <laughs> Figures. Now, did he put in a bridge? Or, she didn't have any. Sh- uh, or did he put in implants? He probably would have gone with the implants because uh, yeah. the probably, bridge. He's probably cheap and he gave her a flipper. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> You like That's your flipper. It's not even nice. Some of us are poor and can't afford nice things. At least you have a tooth. Yeah, well, what if I lost it? <laughs> <laughs> Teresa was soon pregnant. It had been alleged that once Kenneth encouraged Teresa to have an abortion again, but this time she refused. On July 11, 1984, Philip Andrew Taylor was born. On Saturday, November 11, 1984, Teresa would call her parents. Sundays were spent as family days, and the Benignos <laughs> gathered for a traditional Italian dinner. On this day, Teresa would call to say that she, Kenneth, and Philip would not be there the following day as they were going to be visiting with friends. 
On Monday morning, Kenneth would contact Luis and claim that he had dropped Teresa off at the Newark airport and that he and Philip were in Indiana visiting his parents. I see where the connection lies. Mm -hmm. By Wednesday morning, when he was back in New York talking to Albert and Louise, claiming that Teresa had a drug problem and was allegedly going to a rehab center that she had failed to tell him where it was. Oh, darn. Oh, shoot. That's something I feel like... You uh, would just know. Yeah. He would file a missing person report on Teresa seemingly at the urging of her family. He would also go to the airport with Teresa's sister, Celeste White, and her husband, Jeff, to show them where he claimed he dropped her off and to show pictures to airport workers in an effort to find her. So we're in the mid-1980s and there's less technology to prove that someone was somewhere, but there could have been security cameras, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is that... five not very good ones. In my guess... Well, I mean, at an airport you might, but... Yeah. I don't know. You see some of those old security footage. It's so blurry. Like even the ones from like 9-11. Mm-hmm. When you see the that stills of true. the guys going through the airport. It's like, oh, that's, <laughs> especially watching it now, it's like, man, the security cameras nowadays are much clearer. They are. I mean, unless they don't replace them, then it kind of oh, doesn't yeah. do much good. Yeah. Once the Whites and Kenneth parted ways, the Whites went back to the police station to report their own concerns that Kenneth was not telling the truth and even mentioning the beating Teresa suffered on their honeymoon. So they don't think he reported missing people parts correctly. I don't. She sounds like she didn't even make it to the airport. On Thursday, the body of a woman was found on a rural road in Pennsylvania by a hiker near a bird sanctuary. What do you know? The didn't following, make it to the airport. No, not even a little bit. Partially told the truth when he said airport, he meant things I could fly. He was the bird sanctuary. <laughs> oh, oh, I meant oh, the bird sanctuary. Oh, I that's the rehab. The rehab center is built into the bird sanctuary. It's very therapeutic. <laughs> the following day, Albert Benigno and his son would identify the body as belonging to Teresa. It was said that the back of her skull had been literally crushed in. Ugh, God. Kenneth, who seemingly had been going back and forth between his home in Indiana, where his parents lived, and picked Pittsburgh, where his ex-wife Marilyn and their daughter lived, was asked to come into the police station for questioning. So these are not hard dots to connect. No. Kenneth seemed to stick to his story about dropping Teresa off at the airport. While he was being questioned, he had agreed to follow investigators to search his home. The investigator at the home and the police station were keeping in constant contact with each other. When a bloody earring was found in the garage, investigators at the station were informed and confronted Kenneth. It was then that... He told a new story. What I'm about to tell you is completely false. He's making this up. Okay? Okay. Doc, did you kill your wife? No. That doesn't make any sense. I was in love with my wife. Think about it. Take your time. There's nothing to think about. You guys are wasting your time. You should be out looking for evidence or something. You ever seen this earring? No. Take a closer look. From a matched pair, it was just found in your garage. The other one was on Teresa's body. Maybe she met somebody at the airport and took her back to the house and killed her there. Ken, a stranger wouldn't then transport the body somewhere else. Dr. Taylor, I think you killed your wife. Maybe there are circumstances we're not aware of. What would you do if you came down the stairs and found your wife sexually abusing your five-month-old boy? I 
Is that what happened? You saw her sexually abusing the baby. I came downstairs. When I saw what she was doing, I yelled, what the hell are you doing? She looked glassy-eyed. Her eyes were red, drug-crazed. She grabbed a dumbbell bar from the floor, and she swung it at me. I ducked and grabbed it away. Then I gave it to her. Did you strike her more than once? Of course I did. What kind of a question is that? We just need to obtain the facts. No more questions. I want a lawyer. He would allege that he had woken early that Sunday morning and walked downstairs to find Teresa performing fellatio on their five-month-old son. Why, would, why is this necessary to include? Because it is. Man. I mean, like, why is this part of his story? Oh, yeah, that he flew into a rage. That's why, like, you know, like I caught how dads or moms are always like, if I ever saw someone touching my kid, I would just, I would fucking kill them. So that's his excuse. Very interesting. He claimed that Teresa was high on cocaine and went into a rage coming after him with a 20-pound barbell. He claimed that he had been able to wrestle the barbell from her and hit her with it. It was then that he stopped communication and requested a lawyer. So that's the best thing he could come up with on the spot. Mm -hmm. That was the worst thing he could come up with because he literally said, I killed her, and then I didn't call the police. No. Kenneth Taylor would go on trial in September of 1985. But that's only half the story. 19, 1985. That's a song? Yeah, Bruce Springsteen, Madonna, way before Nirvana. There was U2 and Blondie. The music's still on MTV. <sighs> your two kids in high school, they tell you that you're uncle. Because you're still preoccupied with 1985. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> you got it now. <laughs> I hate that song. <laughs> Part two of the story, the custody of his child, Philip, who would begin almost immediately upon his arrest. So uh, you have a five-month-old baby, and we have to figure out where he's going to go. Prosecutors did not buy the cocaine story. While witnesses would claim that they had seen Teresa occasionally use the drug, they would also claim to have seen Kenneth use it a lot more. <laughs> in addition to that, toxicology reports would show only small traces of cocaine in Teresa's system. And nowhere close to the amount that would have caused her to exhibit the behaviors that Kenneth had described. Uh, not only would prosecutors allege that Kenneth was a frequent, if not addicted, drug user, they would also claim that he had a sex addiction as well. Oh, no. And that between midnight and nearly six in the morning of November 12th, there had been 26 calls made to a pornographic message service <laughs> in California and brothels located in New York. So he's a coast to coast guy. I didn't know there was pornographic This man messages. is sick, okay? He has an addiction. You guys are just sitting here making light of it. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> there I am. What is the messaging? Like I don't you know. You call them and leave like a message, and then and they, they call, call you, you and leave a message? Like dirty message machines? Pick up your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Through forensic investigation, they were able to determine a 55-foot trail of blood in the house that led from the master bedroom to the garage. So they did a luminal test done with this. And there is a there was a book written uh, in the eyes of a child or in a child's eyes or in, in the name of a child. Something by, along those lines. Yeah. Something with the children. <laughs> by Peter Mass, something like that. You can remember who wrote the book? But yeah. You can't remember the title? Well, it's kind of a confusing title. But they made a 1990s made for TV movie, a two-parter on this. And one of the scenes is that 
like the his parents are staying in that house and when they turn the lights off in the bedroom the whole room lights up with luminol like they're going to bed i mean that's not how luminol works but it was no, good don't you have to have a black light yeah something like that they use it a lot though in forensic analysis yeah Blood trail led from the master bedroom to the garage. And all I could think about then was Jody Aries, you know, the big long, like she's trying to drag his body down this long hallway and then only makes it to the end because she's too small to carry him any farther. It reminded me, I don't know why that's what I pictured. Lovely. Mm-hmm. It was there they believed that Kenneth had placed Teresa's body in the trunk of the car. Later after doing that, what they said was a decent attempt to clean up the home. He would put their son in the car with him and drove to Indiana where he would leave the child with his parents. So he's driving around with his mom, you know, that boy's mom's body in the trunk. Oh, my God. He was not in Indiana long. And when he left, he headed to Pittsburgh where he met up with Marilyn to celebrate their daughter's fifth birthday. After leaving Maryland's and heading back to New York, New Jersey area, he had stopped and dumped Teresa's body on the side of the road. So he like had to take it with him. Mm-hmm. Running errands and... It appears that Kenneth attempted to stick to the story that he had walked into the room and found his wife molesting their child, but it seems that only people who believe the story were... Him and the guy he was paying to defend him. And... His parents? His parents. Who had attempted to return to the area with Philip almost as soon as Kenneth was arrested. On October 4th, 1985, Kenneth Taylor was convicted in the murder of his wife. Shocker. Mm -hmm. Such a miscarriage of justice. Oh. (laughs) His sentence seemed a bit confusing. It appears that the sentence was a 30 years to life sentence without parole for a minimum of 30 years. That means that he was eligible in 2014 for parole. So they didn't really give a fuck that he killed his wife and Mm -mm. took... All right. It seems that Kenneth had made at least one attempt to escape while in New Jersey and was sent to prison in Virginia. And also, I think he tried to escape again from there. But uh, in 2012, he was on a website for writing to prisoners. And he had stated in his profile that he was scheduled for release in 2014. But even if he was eligible, yes. it didn't guarantee that he would get that. And also, that I don't know if they're adding time for the prison escapes and how much time that is. Do you want to know what was on his personal ad? Hit me up, babes. Yeah. Cheap dental work. <laughs> I am open-minded. I'm looking for a, a women. A women. I'm looking for a women to be friend. Preferably 10 to 15 years of my age, but not absolutely necessary. I have no ethnic prejudices. I prefer honest, trustworthy people. (laughs) I am 6'1", been incarcerated since November 18, 1984. I am a dentist. The crime was a homicide, which was tried and adjudicated as murder. So be it. My crime had nothing to do with my profession, and I am not a sex offender. I'm lonely. I'd love to have a good woman friend to ride out my time and get to know i could be as good for the right woman as she would be for me i'll be in touch kenneth taylor i think i hate kenneth 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 so gene and everett taylor his parents believe that their son was all but forced to kill the evil woman he had married and seemingly brought his story and bought his stories despite all the evidence against him this is saying they stayed in his home while he was incarcerated and that was the luminol scene Two weeks after Kenneth's arrest, Jeff and Celeste White filed in the New Jersey courts for custody of Philip Taylor. So this is, if if Daniel killed me violently with a go on, blunt go on. object. And that mm. blunt object be my dick. Oh, 
<laughs> I think it's funny. She thought it was so funny. <laughs> so if you murdered me violently, got convicted of it, and then My Carla would be a piece of evidence. <laughs> be like, you guys need to see the murder weapon again. They're like, no, Daniel, we Are don't. Are you sure? Put it away. I've got it at a. I've got it at a quarter salute. So, <coughs> if need be, you could unhandcuff me, and I'll get it the rest of the way up. No, <laughs> stop! This is so dumb. It hurts. So this would be as if Carlo was fighting for custody of our kid. Give it to me. That's Jeff and Celeste. If you had an imaginary that would husband, be my argument. Just give her to me. It was ordered that the child was to stay in New Jersey with the Taylors, having him for four days a week and the Whites three days while the custody was being settled. So the Whites lived in New York and the Taylors lived in Indiana. But for legal purposes, Philip's address was in New Jersey. This apparently worked out okay during the incarceration and trial because the Taylors were in New Jersey and the Whites. So they're agreeing to split every week up with the baby. Probably a year now, maybe a little less. After the conviction, the Whites were given four days and the Taylors were given three. The court appointed a psychologist to evaluate the situation for final custody. Eventually, the psychologist recommended that the Whites retain custody of Philip for 10 months of the year, giving the Taylors two months in the summer, as well as overnight visits for three days at Thanksgiving and a week at Christmas. Additionally, the Whites were required to accept a phone call from Kenneth once a week and take the child to visit him once a month. So you get her family gets the kid most of the time, but then you have to let them the person who murdered your sister call you and take the kid to see him once a month. Ew. Yeah. And why? It's exactly. That's weird. But no one was real pleased with this setup. During the first Thanksgiving after his conviction, Kenneth's parents took Philip to the prison every damn day. Ew. And the whites were like, what the fuck are you doing? And I didn't even know if you could do that. So the psychologist strongly recommended that Philip not visit Kenneth in prison, saying that it would only confuse him, seeing as Kenneth would never retain custody of him while he was a minor, considering his sentence. So, like, he's not going to be around. Like, why? Yeah. You, you don't need to see him. Unfor I'm sorry, but you did this. You murdered his mom. It, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. So now he doesn't get either one of you. Still, neither side is real happy about this. And the Whites retained a new attorney who thought it a long shot, but at some point an offer was made to the Taylors in which they would receive not two months, but two weeks in the summer, with the Whites being able to call each day in the first week and visit the second. Like, this is a big cut down. Like, the Taylors went, we're going to go from two months out of the year to two weeks. In the second week, her family could come visit and Damn. call every day. So it's like, man, this is a really lopsided deal for his side of the family. Mm-hmm. They took the deal. Maybe they didn't want to take care of the kid that much. Yeah. Well, maybe. So they agreed to it. And Celeste would later say she felt that something was not right. Kenneth had been allowed to attend these custody hearings. And at this one at the end in July of 1986, she noticed him looking at his parents and winking. Like, we know something you don't know. Me, 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 me. It gave her an uneasy feeling and that something was amiss. August 1st, 1986, Philip went to Indiana with his grandparents for presumably the two-week stay. And on August 6th, Celeste contacted the Taylors to set up visitation for the following week because they agreed two weeks and one week we get to be there anyway. So, okay. Yeah. Jean Taylor told Celeste that there was no need because they had adopted Philip and Teresa's family would never see the kid again. 
How is this possible? How is it possible? So Celeste immediately called their lawyer who contacted the courts in Marion, Indiana. Where's Marion, Indiana from here? That way. North. How far? We went up there for one of your show choir things, I feel like. I don't recall. Uh, It's like an hour and 45 minutes from here. So it's north of Indianapolis by an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, it's like... She informed the judge that the custody issues had been ongoing in New Jersey, and just days prior, a final order had been made giving the Whites primary custody. They're like, dude, a judge just said we get him all the time but two weeks. Why would they get to adopt him all of a sudden? Yeah, tell us. Tell us why. Mm -hmm. The judge informed the lawyer that as soon as she got a copy of the custody custody order, (laughs) (laughs) that he would rescind the adoption. So they're like, fine. We'll get the paperwork to you. The next morning, the Whites and their attorney made their way to Indiana. But when they got to the courthouse with the custody order, they found that the judge was not in his office and would be gone for the weekend. So he's like, peace out, bitches. I do not give a fuck. Order to have Philip removed from the Taylor home and put in foster care until Monday when the original judge would be back in the office. A social worker from DCS, a local sheriff, along with the Whites and their attorney, went to the Taylor home. Eventually, Everett Taylor would open the door, but not before he called his attorney. So everyone's like fighting over this kid physically in their front yard. That's good for the kid. Oh, yeah. As the DCS worker was leaving the home, the Taylor's attorney arrived and attempted to remove Philip from the car. I was like, what the fear of the fucking attorney? Don't touch the kid. Right. That's it. Let's go. I want to see the document allowing you to do this. Here, how about this? Taylor, if you don't open this door, I'm going to shoot this lock off, and you better believe it. stay neutral and that Andrew's welfare is paramount. So, so I'm obligated to hand him over to foster parents until this thing gets straightened When's out. When's that? Well, that's for a judge to decide. Believe me, the Strickmans are wonderful people. No, where are they going? Can I even hold him? please. But that's my sister's baby. That's my baby. You don't understand. They lied. They kidnapped him. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't. He needs me. Please. He doesn't know what's going on. Mrs. Simarelli, please. Just until Monday. 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 I promise. I'll get it straightened out. The, the Whites were obviously upset with the entire situation, but they and their attorney stated they felt Philip was in a good enough home for the weekend, and they headed home until Monday morning. So they're saying, like, he How can stay here. How old is the kid at this point? Um, not that old. He was born in 1984, and then this was happening in 1986. So, two. It was discovered that over the weekend, the judge who had ordered Philip into foster care rescinded his order, and he had been returned to the Taylor homes. 
On top of that, the judge who had ordered the adoption decided to withdraw from the case. He said, listen, this is real complicated real quick, and I don't have time for this. So he just said, you folks figure it out. See you never. It was discovered that in January of 1986, the Taylors had filed for adoption in Grant County, Indiana. I don't know where Grant County is. Is that Marion? Now I have to look this up. You know, you have one job. North. Marion. Mm-hmm. Their legal place of residence. The adoption petition simply stated that his mother was deceased and that Kenneth had given them permission to proceed with the adoption. Kenneth had not listed an address, let alone let it be known that he was in prison. So they're just like, he doesn't have an address. Who knows where he is? Well, no. The petition made no mention of the fact that the New Jersey proceedings were going on and claimed that Philip had lived with the couple for like over a year. So they're lying. Why are they being shady? Because they were losing the deal. They only, you know. So weird. It also claimed that there was no property technically owned by Philip, but there was a $13,000 trust fund that had been established from Teresa's life insurance, as well as proceeds from them selling their house. He killed her. And Kenneth had signed this over to his parents. So he's giving his parents, I murdered my wife. You get my kid and all all her life insurance money. I was like, I feel like this is not right. This is not going the way it's supposed to go. Prosecutors in New Jersey, the ones who had prosecuted Kenneth, were now brought in and pretty fucking pissed off. They sought a criminal extradition warrant against the Taylors for defying the New Jersey order. Both the governors of New Jersey and Indiana signed it, but Governor Orr of Indiana would withdraw the warrant for further investigation. Thanks. Well, a new judge was sought to oversee the case and decide if the adoption had been done illegally. It had. It had been done illegally. Over the next several months, there would be a hearing after hearing after hearing. Oh, my God. It's exhausting. Welcome to Indiana. After five judges and nine months, an Indiana judge finally invalidated the adoption by the Taylors in order that Philip be returned to the Whites. He was now nearly three years old. Technically, under Indiana law, the Cimarellis did not have to be notified about the adoption. However, the spirit of the Indiana adoption statutes required notice to guardians, courts, or agencies having custody or any other direct contact with a child. I am, therefore, vacating the Taylor's adoption. I want the child delivered to the Grant County Department of Public Welfare and then to Angela and Jerry Cimarelli on or before noon on Tuesday, April the 14th. Taylors had asked for a stay when the judge had issued the order, but it was denied. At the time, Celeste was preparing to give birth to her second child and could not travel, so the following morning, Jeff White was in Indiana expecting to bring Philip home. Expecting. The Taylors filed an immediate appeal, and the courts agreed to look at the case, requiring Jeff and Philip and their lawyer to remain in Indiana. Finally, after three days, Jeff was able to leave Indiana with Philip. He discovered on his travels home that the Taylors had packed the same clothing that the Whites had sent 
to them nine months earlier. So he didn't have any clothes to wear. They sent the kid, like, one last final jab. They sent two small clothes home. Yeah, that doesn't hurt anyone but the child, but go on. And they said that Philip seemed terrified to take baths and that they had made no attempt to potty train him. (gasps) But otherwise, I don't think that they were necessarily unfit or it's just the fact that you can't just adopt a kid in the middle of legal proceedings and like abscond with him. By May 22nd, 1987, it seems that the Taylors had been brought back to New Jersey and arraigned on charges of interference of custody. The Whites had officially filed to adopt Philip. Of course, Kenneth Taylor objected. At that hearing, it was shown that the Whites could adequately care for Philip, which never seemed to be a question. The Whites argued that there had been no contact or support from Kenneth. Kenneth argued that the Whites would not take his calls or letters, hence the (laughs) no contact. So it would be proof, however, that while Philip had been in the custody of Kenneth's parents, he had given them control of $13,000 trust and had also sent money. There is contact, but they're like, but the Whites are saying, nope, nope, never, nope, burned all those letters we never got. In December of 1987, a final hearing on the adoption was set to go forward. There was a note that the previous order giving the Taylors visitation had been rescinded, but not dismissed. So he's now two years older than us, and I think he got married and stuff. His dad killed his mom. Mm-hmm. His dad went to jail. Is that yeah? Which I think what made it more sensational than was the legal battle afterwards. Two families fighting over this kid, and that pretending like the parent in prison who killed other parent has rights over. And it's like no, you have no rights. I don't really think. shouldn't. And then like. I don't know when exactly Kenneth got out. There were some people trying to figure out where he was, New Jersey or Virginia. And an article I read is a person was calling prisons to find him. And they would be like, because he doesn't pop up on the database, like online. Mm-hmm. And even though I have like his DOC number, his first and his last name, he's not there. It does, usually it'll pop up and say released. And he's like, every time I got someone to start talking to me, they would look it up and they'd go, oh, we don't, um, he doesn't, uh, we don't have him here. And he's like, but another prison told me he was in, he had to be in your prison because he's not in their prison. And so something about like an interstate compact, they always just denied he was there. He's like, I got one woman to start to give me more information than she was supposed to. And then they, he probably did get released close to 2014, maybe a little later. Wow. And I don't know where to. That's gross. Yeah. You can crush someone, some poor woman's skull in with a dumbbell and only do allegedly 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 yeah really sad because classic domestic violence cycle i'm sure but did it get the fuck beat out of you honeymoon like you couldn't even wait a few months when we get back to regular world and life is miserable i I don't know if his goal was to get life insurance money from her at all or why i bet he you know obviously there was no sexual abuse of their kid but i don't you know like they fighting and he lost control and just beat her to death i don't know somebody called him a psychomaniac so a psychiatrist did he could have been like thinking about it oh man so yeah that's very sad it's very interesting how indiana can let someone adopt just by them filling out the paperwork no though yeah but it's like but if someone's lying on federal is it federal forms state forms they're just like omitting things and the government doesn't double check nowadays i don't know if you ran that kid's name through a system if it would pop up that you got cases open here you can't just but I think it all worked out for them that they got him. And we got married. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shows If he didn't kill his spouse, he's yeah. horrible to me. So that's the other thing. You let this Kenneth guy out. I, if you kill someone just in a flat-out rage, like, what's to say you won't get mad again? <sighs> cocaine and sex, they're bad for you. I mean, cocaine, mm, 
Everything in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's all I got. That's interesting. Made for TV movie. Hey, I like made for TV movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first high school musical was a made for TV movie, and it was an absolute classic. (laughs) Which one? High School Musical. Oh, okay. First and second were actually made for TV movies. Then the third one was in theaters, and it was a cinematic masterpiece. No. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? No. And I'm all the better for not. No, those musics are those movies are fantastic. High School Musical? Yes. The songs are amazing. Who liked High School Musical? I'd rather sit and watch paint dry. Yeah. Soaring, flying, there's not a star in heaven we can't reach. God, that's a good song. Our elf's <laughs> voice, when we give it a voice, I give it Mr. Hanky's voice. It was Mr. Hanky. He's the turd. Howdy ho, neighbors. <laughs> this is my son, Cornwallis. He was born with a peanut in his head. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, we need a Christmas. Another world can see us who Carla, we are. So help me God. <laughs> you don't stop singing that stupid fucking song. Golly, to change anybody's mind. We're just trying to understand it. At We Too, we aim to explore gender differences in our current world. We want to hear stories, differing opinions, new ideas. We want to hear what you have to say because you have a voice. And guess what? It matters. Look for We Too Podcast, W-E-T-O-O Podcast, on social media, and on your favorite podcatchers.